Welcome to the F4 Podcast, where your hosts, Brian, Brooke, Charles, and Vanessa, discuss all things faith, family, friends, and fitness. What is F4? Sometimes it's a glimpse into how we navigate the world, and sometimes it's a deep dive into how we handle the four main areas of our lives. If you want to have a healthier relationship with God, family, friends, and yourself, this podcast is for you. Thank you for joining us as we unpack this episode. Hey, welcome to episode 11 of the F4 Podcast. This is exciting because we're entering a new time. Guest. If we haven't met, I'm Charles Giddens. I'm one of your F4 hosts, and I want to thank you for listening and watching our podcast. If you could follow us on Instagram and like and share the podcast, we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, we're on multiple f- platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google Pocket, uh, Breaker, Anchor, and YouTube now. Uh, if you'd like to be a sponsor of the show, you can send us a message on Instagram, Facebook, uh, or via email at f4ncpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, I'm joined today by the F4 crew, my wife, Vanessa. Hi. and our best friends brian and brooke marston hello and today we have a very special guest (laughs) matt marston howdy yay (laughs) so today's our first podcast that we have a guest with us it's taken us a year uh, but i thought it would be helpful for us um, to be able to have a subject matter expert on the topic that we're going to cover today Uh, before we get to that i want to say today is going to be an episode that it's specifically aimed at all of us that are Christians, um, and specifically Christians with kids, or any of us that are involved with kids in any way. Uh, With that being said, I think it's going to be, there are going to be a lot of areas that are going to cross over and are going to be helpful for you regardless, so um, stick with us. I think you might pick up some stuff in this podcast that, (laughs) that, that help you out. So that brings me to our special guest today, Matt Marston. Matt's one of four kids that Brian and Brooke have. Uh, he is 19 and, and about to finish up his associates uh, in college and move on to uh, the rest of his college career very shortly. And I, th- I thought it'd be neat to get his perspective on all this because not only is Matt a, a typical young college student, but he is also a pastor's kid. He's a PK. So... Um, we thought that would be pretty cool. And there are a lot of good things that um, happen in that kind of relationship. Um, and the internet is full of horror stories of PKs as well. Um, so Matt has not only survived that transition to college, uh, but his faith and, and, and a servant's heart that is something uh, that we'd want for all of our kids. And he's doing a great job. So this didn't happen on its own, though. So I think Matt kind of got some of that with other people at the other end of the table. Um, So I just want to dive right in. So according to the Fuller Youth Institute, over half of all high school seniors walk away from their faith in college. Um, And that's a pretty staggering and scary number. Um, And as a parent and a Christian um, and and someone who's in ministry at this point, this is one of the biggest problems that I see that our kids um, and our society as a whole have right now. And there are a lot of, um, there's a lot of ministry at this table. There's a lot of all the way from preschool and infant ministry all the way up through student ministry um, and everyone from a um, being on staff or a volunteer everyone is represented at this table in this area and we all have kids some of us not as many as the others uh, but we all have kids which is pretty important so 
I'm going to dive right into um, the massively loaded question that's going to kind of guide us through our topic today. So how do you pass your faith down to your kids and what are your kids looking for from you as parents, but as well as what are they looking for from the church when it comes to growing their faith? So pretty big, loaded, huge topic. Um, and we're just going to dive right in. So what happens to people, guys, when they get older, college age, away from mom and dad, or still with mom and dad? Um, and what what do you think happens and why does it happen? So I think a couple of things. The first thing that pops to my pops into my head is I think when people get to college age, there really is kind of this, and I think it comes from society, but I think it also is very natural and and positive it should happen i think that people think okay now i'm out on my own i need to test my wings i need to figure out who i am what i think i'm out out from underneath maybe the authority of my parents or i'm out from underneath the influence of my parents you might think you're out from underneath the influence of your parents i'm going to spread my wings i'm going to fly i'm going to explore what's out there maybe I haven't experienced before. So I think that that is part of it. But I do also think that if a person hasn't been involved in serving in any kind of way, I think they don't feel an ownership. And so you get outside of, you know, your home church. People talk about their home church. You get outside of that. You get outside of what's normal if you haven't had an experience where you have been a contributing member of anything that's happening, I think that you don't know what your place is. And so I think it's really hard to find your place and establish that when you haven't ever experienced what that looks like before. Now, I'm, you know, older, so it's not as fresh for me, but I think that's one of the things I have witnessed happen. So we'll get to the young the young buck at the table in just a second. Brian, what do you think? Yeah, I agree with Brooke. It's it's one of those things where if you don't have ownership, it's not going to translate beyond your family and where you grew up because you're living off their faith. And the other thing that's interesting is if church is just something you go to as opposed to who you are as the body of Christ, seeking to fulfill the great commission that you're going and making disciples and it's just something that you just show up to i think there's a disconnect so then when students get to college and they no longer have mom and dad there to say we're going to church and they haven't been the church they've just gone to church and they go to college and it's like well that's irrelevant in my life and then they meet friends and they don't have the friends and community that are pushing them that way because that's hard to find when you go away to college, then it's easy for them to not even see that as important for them to continue with because it's just something they went to, not something that they actually were. And so I thought about uh, the verse, of course, from Proverbs thirteen twenty, which we've referred to before that he who walks with the wise is wise, but a companion of fools suffer, suffers harm. So there's that one sense of you don't have those people around you who are like your faith community anymore, if you did. And then also uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, where Paul writes, 
Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And if you never find your place in the body, again, because you're just going to church and not being the church, then I think it's a recipe for leaving the church. Yeah, I, I think 100%. I, what do you think? <laughs> I was one of those people that pretty much left the, left, you know, abandoned my faith pretty wholeheartedly in college. And a lot of it for me, I think, was I had some very strong examples of Christian life and Christian love Mm. in my grandmother and my aunt. And, um, but not so much my parents. Yeah. And so when I went away to school and I had kind of bounced back and forth and I was exploring different denominations and all kinds of things in high school and was really kind of trying to find my own way. And I went to Furman University to start with. And I started at Furman the year after they pulled out of the Southern Baptist Convention. Hmm. So they had been a traditionally Southern Baptist school. And I went and was experiencing my time of transition and change, I think at the same time that Furman was. Yeah. So... I didn't experience anybody really reaching out to me or trying to bring me in or take me under their wing or I think a lot of even I was a resident assistant and I my sophomore year and I think even then it was when I interviewed for the job it was like well what would you do if somebody was Hindu and living on your hall, you know? And I think the school was trying to figure it out as much as, Mm -hmm. as I was. So I got pretty lost and swept up into all of the change and PC. And so that's what I think. (laughs) So Matt, I'm curious since you are going through this now and you have a lot of friends obviously at the same age you are and going through a lot of the same things what what specifically are you seeing with your friends what have you seen that's happened what do you think what do you think happens when when you get out of out of the house well i think um i think there's like that freedom like you you think it's your choice now to go to church and like you're not having your parents like drag you on sunday morning like hey get up it's time to go because when you're college you're by yourself or like that it's your decision at that point and I think um a lot of churches don't really have environments for college students um in that sense because you you've gone through your your whole life like if you're you're like me and have been in the church whole life you know you have each ministry you have like pre-k and then you have kindergarten through fifth, and then you have middle school, high school. Then after that, it's like, okay, you're running with the 40, 50-year-olds now, and you're like, I'm, I'm, eight, I'm 18 years old. My life is completely different from someone who's 30, 40, 50. So then, like, messages or topics in a church may not resonate as much with me, and I'll be like, 
do I really fit here? Is this where I fit? And that's, I, I see a lot of that happen. Okay. We'll get back. I wrote it down. We'll get back to that. I think I find that extremely challenging and, yeah. and, and not in a bad way, in a very mm-hmm. good way. I think it highlights a lot of probably what we're going to figure out as we're going through this. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I think for me, when I, when I left home, um, growing up the way I did in an environment that I did with probably a little bit stricter, um, guidelines, I was always involved in sports. I was working. There was always things to do that was very structured for me. Um, and when I got to college, I I had a job, I had a job. Um, but it wasn't, there was not a lot of structure. And I think my faith community that I had, although very good, was very tied to a couple of people in general, and mm-hmm. I left them. And when I left them, I felt kind of lost. Um, and I think partly because of, of what we talk about all the time, but my faith was not mature at that point, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm still consistently, you know, working on that now, but it was not matured at that point. So when I got off and got away from the influence of, of my friends, um, one or two specific friends, um, I got away from the structure of jobs and my parents and having to do things and having to be in sports and having to, you know, make sure my life was pretty regimented, you know, everything kind of felt like to Matt's point, it was, there was a lot of freedom there. Oh, yeah. Um, probably more than should have been there, uh, looking back on it right now. Um, you know, and obviously a lot of that shaped who I am today, which is great, but um, I do think for me it was, to Matt's point, there was just there was just too much freedom. There just really, there's, and again, I, you gotta learn that some at some point. You have to learn how to manage that. Um, man, I'm just not sure 18 is the world's best time to manage that. I mean, that's just kind of how everything's set up these days, I get it. Um, but I do think, the society or the kids that are, you know, and look at the rest of your kids and and Parker, um, things are a little different and it's a little bit scary at 18 to go, Oh, you have, you, now you really get to navigate that because things are very different from a society standpoint of how much freedom we give kids up to the point that they're 18, but that they leave from us. Like it's almost, you have no freedom and now you have all the freedom in the world just from the way society is set up in 2020 versus or 2021 versus you know 1990 you know and even 1993 for you some of us are a little bit older uh, and younger um but yeah i mean i think it's i think it's a little different now so i'm curious matt and maybe you'll have a have the the great answer for me but so why because i've seen you i've been around you for a while now um i guess almost half your life almost half your life, somewhere in that neighborhood, close. close. Um, I haven't seen that be something that you've shot away from. In fact, I've seen more involvement, I think, now at 19 than I did when you were younger. And I wasn't around you as much in that environment when you were younger. But like you seem to be digging in now and, and almost being becoming more mature in your faith. So why is that? why has none of that happened to you? Well, well, with me, like, with, like, I think volunteering, I got in volunteering, like, right out of the gate, right out as I got uh, done with fifth grade. And, you know, like, that's kind of when they start saying, hey, you can volunteer. You're in middle school now. Um, I started volunteering, like, immediately. Um, And I think that was extremely helpful because then I started to find things. Oh, like, this is kind of fun. Like, I like doing this. Like, running tech stuff for the kids' ministry. Like, I... 
a lot of fun doing that leading a small group I had fun doing that and I'm like oh this is this is fun like it it, it became not like oh I gotta go to church because I want to go see the message it's I get to go because I want to run lights I want to run sound I want to run slides I want to see my group stuff like that it, it wasn't like oh, I just got to go because I got to watch the pastor give a message sing a few songs and then go home and let that be that but and then as I got older I got more involved with playing music in the church and I think uh I have a lot of good friends from that and that's just kind of helped me like kind of like dig in more because those friends have helped me stay kind of stuck Brian, what do you think about that? It, it, it's something that I think reiterates the, the value of being the church. And Matt, I mean, when I hear Matt talk, I hear Matt seeing that he has a place. He's not just the future. He's the now. And so I, I see him recognizing his value. And the, the thing about it that I'm probably grateful for looking back on our leadership experience is getting to lead a church in a portable location that was new. And I'm grateful for that because that's when I really saw Matt and even some of my other kids see their value and go, I'm not just showing up and checking a box. This is not just a one hour a week kind of thing. This is a li- This is a lifestyle. And if I don't, it won't happen. And so for me, I, I just, I'm grateful looking back on that because I see how formative that's been for Matt, much more than even just a message or a series of messages. While those are important, um, they're not what he's mentioning in this moment. And it's because of ownership. You know, the showing up for a message, anybody can do and it's passive. But when you are actually serving, it's active. You're engaged. So that's what I hear him saying, and I'm proud of him. I think it's interesting that you mentioned the portable environment because that is so um, not a lot of people sign up to mm. be part of that because it's not easy. Yeah, and you can't just check a box, right? <laughs> you you can't to, just I showed up for church today. I brought my Bible. Oh, I even brought a friend. It's actually like I came three hours early, and I did all of this terrible stuff that nobody wants to do. And, and I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. And stayed three hours late to undo it all. Right, exactly, exactly. And I think it's, I think it's interesting that you mentioned that, and it's great because 14- and 15-year-olds, for all of the bad reputation that they get, you know, when people talk about, oh, those teenagers, kids these days, whatever, about 14 and 15-year-olds, they'll do that kind of stuff with, you know, way less complaining and a lot more consistency than a lot of adults. And so, I don't know, I just think it's really interesting that you mentioned that because I do think that that was a huge part of um, Matt. And like like you said, even some of our other kids going, man, if I don't show up, there isn't going to be anybody here who's willing to do this. I don't. It won't. <laughs> right. There's nothing that builds ownership more than looking around and seeing, uh, I better do this because nobody else is here. <laughs> I mean, so two, two of your kids have, one, one, one Micah is now is gone, volunteered for me. Another is volunteering currently. He's on the other side of the room, which, and she's doing a great job. One was actually an intern for me, 
Um, so I've seen all of your kids do the same kind of stuff, um, which is pretty exciting. And, and, and I will, I will go back to say, and Parker has now volunteered in, in ways for the church in both in a lot of different ways, which I think is fantastic, but it should make both of you feel good that, that your kids are that involved and they're doing things that they don't have to. I mean, you don't force your kids to volunteer, right? No. You've, as long as I've known you to, you've never forced them to do anything. Um, and they just do it and they do it with a servant's heart, which is fantastic. Um, so much so that I'm like, we're having meetings and going, Hey, I don't like this. I need this to be fixed for, for one of your kids because I'm like, I'm a little concerned here, um, that I want this to be different. Um, so it's, I think it's fantastic and it should make both of you feel really good. Um, kind of not jumping tracks, but getting into that. So Matt, you play you mentioned you play. You're playing in, yeah. in multiple worship when situations. When you say play, you mean play guitar. Play guitar, yeah. So, sorry, yeah. Play guitar. I, I need to be very clear there. Um, so, and I'm curious because at some point someone, and I don't know the entire story. I know some of the story, but at some point someone said, hey, I'm giving this this young kid an opportunity to jump in and do things like this. So, walk me through kind of what that felt like when you were going through that and and how how has that led to your faith being different right now? Well, I think I think with like that whole experience, um, it, it it helped me kind of like really be able to, like I said earlier, dive in even more because I love playing my guitar. I love doing it. I love doing it in and like out of church. So even when it's not Sunday or Wednesday, mm-hmm. I'm still have an active probably like worship throughout the week because I'm practicing because I want to play it right but I'm also still kind of reflecting on like the songs and like what 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 they say what they mean mm-hmm. and I think I think music is one of the best forms of art um I think that the way it can express emotions through words and tones like just it it all like then like, comes together. It's like a very it's a great form of art. Like just just to keep it simple. But uh, yeah, and I think with me just being able to go all in with that, um, someone initially told me like a few years back um, when I was first doing like kind of like the stuff to kind of get into the process of playing, they were like, yeah, I didn't think you were going to be able to play. They're like, I didn't think you were really that good. And I was, but they're like, you proved me wrong. And I, and I appreciated that. And I appreciated that. Like they still gave me the chance. They still gave me the opportunity to do that. And I think it's helped grow my faith and helped me be able to stay connected maybe in the church more than I would have, if I would have not been able to play. I think that's a great answer. I think for us being adults, and I say for us being adults, and really for us being adults in a church environment, um, I think it's it's very important for us to remember that hey, you know, kids. To your point, Brooke, kids will do whatever you know if if given the opportunity. And I think in a lot of environments and a lot of churches that we've grown up in, I don't I don't think that was ever it was never really a thing like mm-hmm. you're not old enough to serve you're not old enough to make a difference you're not old enough to to do any of this stuff and i think it speaks volumes to 
an environment where Matt was given the opportunity or, or your yeah. other kids are given the opportunity to say, hey, you know, we, we think this is important and this is a way for you to help not only your faith, but it's a way to help other people's faith. Yep. Um, and I think that's it's something that we need to, and I say we, and I, if you're watching this and you're any way involved in any sort of church organization at all, I think this is something you got to make sure that's always on the front of mind because if if we don't if we don't and I say we collectively if we don't hit this and that early we could lose people you know and and then Matt's in a different situation there's Had, a window of opportunity yeah yeah and I think that's true for all kinds of people I think that we all walk into situations maybe some of us more than others and we look for ourselves in the environment mm-hmm. we look for people that reflect who we think we are or who we want to be and we look around and we say okay is there anybody here who's like me and if you know a 15 year old walks into an environment and all they see are 65 year olds it's really hard for them to see themselves as being part of that environment because it's just too big of a bridge you know to get a gap to bridge I was saying it backwards, but too big of a gap to bridge. But I think opportunities where people who are younger can volunteer, then, you know, I mean, if you have a middle schooler volunteering, then you have second and third graders that are seeing themselves as part of the church because they are more able to see themselves as a middle schooler than they are as a, even a high schooler or, you know, their parents' age. So... And I think that that's true from a, you know, skin color and diversity standpoint from from that arena as well. But I think age is, is as much an issue, you know, mm-hmm. for seeing yourself as, oh, you know, they let middle schoolers volunteer. They let high schoolers volunteer. They're, they are part of the church. I can yeah. be part of the church, too. Well, and I think it's interesting you say that because even the retired generation— oftentimes see themselves as irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And so it's every age on some level can feel like maybe they don't have a place depending on maybe what they're going through. And so it's it's contingent upon us to recognize every age group as being mm-hmm. valuable and being able to offer value and being part of the body of Christ, which is one of the reasons I want our church to reflect a multi-generational church because there are plenty of people in my life who are further down the road that say things sometimes that I'm like, okay, I need to tune into what they're saying because they have experience I don't have. Mm -hmm. As much as I want to have it or think I know it all, I don't. And so to be able to have them in my life is valuable. But on the opposite end of of the spectrum, there are people in that generation that say things and I go, I don't have that perspective either. Right. Because I, while I was 19 at one point in time, I'm not anymore. The world and, is different now. <laughs> and I haven't been in a few years. So it's important for me to listen to both ends and then in the middle because they all bring value. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's important. And I think a couple, a couple of the things that we listen to and we watch and we study as a, as a group from a family ministry standpoint is, you know, I was at your point once 19, but my world at 19 is not the same world that Matt is living at 19 or any other 19 year old. So I can say, well, I've been there. I've lived in your shoes. Mm-hmm. That's not accurate. It's just, it's just not, a, you were 19, sure. But you were 19 in an age with cell phones because guess what? I didn't have cell phones <laughs> at 19. They didn't exist. 
Um, I didn't have you know access to 4K streaming video games at 19 the way that generation does. I wasn't access. I didn't have access to the, the information that's streaming all the time that that generation does. So I can say, well, I, I, you know, I was your age once, and let me let me tell you how it is, kid. That that just isn't it's not an accurate statement any longer. And I think yeah. the more we pull ourselves out of that, the better. To your point, when we start listening and understand that Matt's nineteen is not my nineteen, so yeah. I need to listen to what he has to say. I had a beeper. <laughs> I was just thinking we were going to the computer lab to check our email at the email. on the university <laughs> campus. Email. <laughs> I knew one guy with a cell phone in high school, and it was his dad's car phone. Back phone. <laughs> Big, huge, ugly car phone. Yeah. yeah, it still had a cord on it, but it was in the car. Right. I mean, so look, I can remember my, I was in whatever math I was in my freshman year at University of Georgia, and we were the first class to actually take tests on a computer. Our test, you know, everything else wasn't, but our tests were actually administered on a computer. <laughs> And it was like the first class at UGA to, to do that. And this was in ni- 1992. I mean. Groundbreaking. Yeah, I know, right? I mean, so I don't know. I don't know the world that, that my 13-year-old son is in. I don't know the world that he's in. I mean, and as much as I think that I got a pretty good grasp, because I remember what it's like at 19, but it's not the same. It's not. Not the same. No, but speaking of that, um, so I want to switch gears a little bit. And. How can the church help kids? So from elementary age all the way up to high school, and even to Matt's point, college, which I think there's some things we can get into in just, just a minute with that, but how do we help, or how does the church help them have a greater faith and love for Jesus? Like, what what do you guys think? Well, I think uh, with, like, small groups and stuff, I think it goes all the way to that. I think when kind of like what you were saying with seeing – someone your age so like there's a middle school leader for an elementary school small group i think that's crucial because i think also like what you were saying too you get two different perspectives if you have an adult leader and then a student leader you get both perspectives because then you have the life experience from the adult leader but then you can have the student leader that's able to like empathize or be able to say you know what i was there three years ago i was there four years ago like not Oh yeah, like 15 years ago, back in uh, <laughs> World <laughs> War Two, you know, like back in Nam. But like, no, um, that you're, you're able to say, like, yeah, I was there not that long ago, and they can think back. Oh yeah, four years ago it wasn't that long ago. I can remember four years ago, but um, I think that's something that's huge because, like, that that was a huge part for me because. Especially in middle school, um, my favorite small group leader was the college age student mm-hmm. um, because they made the most difference. But then, as I got older, I grew a fantastic relationship with the adult leader, and I ended up having two adult leaders by the end. And I had a great relationship with both of them, and I loved both of them. But if there wasn't that student leader early on, I probably would have been like, I, I, I don't care. Like, what do you know? Like. I have a dad. I don't need yeah. another dad. I know. Like, why, why, why do I need another old man telling me what to do? Like, <laughs> what do you think, Vanessa? I think a lot of what Matt says is very valid. I think that 
I was pretty plugged into a youth group when I was in high school, but I didn't have student leaders. There was the youth minister, who was a young guy, uh, and he was pretty cool, but he wasn't, I mean, he, you see what I mean? He wasn't, the, he wasn't the guy that would show up. He, he didn't come to any of my plays. He didn't, I mean, and there were, I don't know, 40 of us in that youth group. Mm -hmm. We never experienced small groups. So I never had somebody outside of my family that I could count on to show up. And when I look at it now from a parent's perspective, you know, we fail as parents regularly and we fall down and it, it would, it's nice. We have as parents, the support system, including the three of you to help pick up the pieces when, <laughs> when we do fail. And I never had that. So I think ha having a church system that shows young people that others will show up for them mm -hmm. because they are valued, I think is great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's good. Family ministry director. <laughs> I think, I think... <laughs> <laughs> Both of you guys touched on that small group um, scenario. And I think that that's huge because from a large group standpoint, there's only so much you can do. You know, there's on, only so much a youth pastor can do when they have even, you know, 30 kids. You know, you talk about 40 kids and some some churches, you know, have youth groups with you know, hundreds of students, there's only so much a youth pastor, even a really awesome, cool, young youth pastor, there's only so much he or she can do in that kind of situation to be all of those places. And I think small group is so, and having small group leaders is so huge. Having a person who's there, even if they're not cool, like it doesn't even matter. Just having a person who's there, who shows up for those things, who checks in, who says, hey, how's it going? Even if a kid doesn't seem to care about it, I think ultimately knowing that somebody's there is maybe even the more important piece of ever having to reach out to that adult or college student or whatever. Just knowing that somebody's there, I think is an big piece of it yeah and if it's somebody in a church then when you're off on your own you know where do you go you go to the church you don't search for it in random people you know where it came from even though it might have been a random person initially but the relationship developed at church so where do you go you go to church because that's the experience that you've had right i do think that that small group is just such a huge and i think as small group leaders, it can sometimes be frustrating when you have middle schoolers or high schoolers in particular because it feels like, oh, well, we, you know, we never get to the questions that we're supposed to be talking about or we never get to the, you know, we're not talking about anything that seems like any of any value. But I think just being together on a consistent basis, again, is the more important part of it, not some deep conversation that you're having that's all of a sudden life-changing. I think it's the fact that you show up and you're there 
and you try to talk about something that's meaningful, but even if it doesn't feel meaningful to you, the fact that you're there makes it meaningful for the the group or even a student or two in particular. I mean, that's that's what I got. So I think Brian probably has some things to to add on this. So you've been taking it in. What do you think? How can the church help? I think they covered it well. Okay. Yep. I know we've got other things to discuss. Yeah. I think we'll get to what we need to get to. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of that, I think the the next piece that actually is fascinating to me, and, and I heard it, we've heard it in multiple places, but Fuller actually talks about this very well, the Fuller Youth Institute. You know, is the church answering questions that kids are not even asking, right? So that aren't relevant. Because I, I think if we really take a step back and to your point, like having these deep philosophical conversations, it's not really how you're going to win a, you know, 14 or 15 year old kid over. I, I just don't see them, you know, and I think there are times that are, it's appropriate and you're going to, you know, you're probably going to have that, but it's not going to be something that you're going to lead with. It's not going to be something that really you're, you're, you are going to do. And I think, Sometimes, unfortunately, the church is known for what we're against, not what we're for. And like all of that kind of plays into answering questions for not just Matt's generation, but, you know, Parker's generation or who anybody's generation that they're not asking that they don't care about. That's not important to them because at the end of the day, I think we can craft the best curriculum. We can follow the best curriculum in the world. And if that's not helping a parent right when with their kid it doesn't it doesn't matter that we we taught them about you know paul today it it it, it it's irrelevant if that mom is not able to get their kid out of bed in the morning and without a fight you know what i mean so with that being said like what kind of questions i'm curious and we'll go to matt first and i think all of us probably have an answer here but what kind of questions do do you want answered matt that, that the church isn't answering or are, do you get frustrated with sermons and things that are you know you're being taught or preached to or in general you know life lessons that you don't even care about at the point that you know at, at 19 um that's a, that's a really long question i was i was like thinking of an answer and I then i was like <laughs> but uh i think I think that with at least me for my age that you'd want the church to say or hear is that like acknowledge your age group as like an age group because like in my experience especially going through high school it was like like your middle-aged family like 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 nuclear family Mm -hmm. like husband wife two kids just that's who we're preaching to. That's who we're going to talk to. Just because that's going that that's our majority of our demographic. That's who we're going to just talk to. But then, like, if if you're sitting on the outside of that, you're like, well, what about me? They may touch on it, and be like, well, for college students, this, that, this, and that, and maybe take about thirty seconds, and then they go back to the to the whole message, and 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 it's like. All right, so there are my two notes from today's message that I can apply to my everyday life, and just take that into this next week. And then it's like, then you're left like asking questions, like, "Well, what else can I do?" Or like, 
stuff like that. I think that's, and I've heard it now from the very beginning. I wrote it down, right? I think one of the couple of things that you said, I think having an environment for your age group is, is probably a little bit important and probably, and I don't know exactly how to do it the right way. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's we're not prob- easy. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there are people out there that have figured it out and they're very smart and, you know, but I think that's, that's important to remember. And I think, you know, and, and I don't speak on the adult service stage like Bryant, like your dad does. So those are all things that he has to frame up when he's creating messages and, and writing and doing. Um, so I guess I'll, I'll default to you, Brian, what do you, th- you know, not even touching on a question that you think the church is, is answering that the kids aren't asking, you know, I say kids, young adults aren't asking, what do you think about what Matt's saying about an environment for, you know, that age group? Yeah, I think it's challenging because unless you're just like smack dab into like on a college campus, Mm -hmm. most of your demographic is probably not going to reflect that. And they're extremely um, transient. So you have, it's maybe difficult to establish relationship. And then it's hard to find people who are willing to do that, I guess, who see that as their calling to almost have this missional mindset of, I feel called to a group of people that are going to leave and can all put and may and may and may not really buy into anything we do. And it's I think it's already hard enough for like high school leaders because you now and the the way it is now, the high school is almost like the college used to be because their parents are given giving them a lot more freedom. And they get a license, and that's almost like if there's not a relationship in place by the time they're 16, the likelihood that they're going to stay with church drops dramatically. And it's just been from my observation. Yeah. So I would say a parent, if they don't partner with the church when their kids are in elementary school and in middle school, they're, they're totally missing the mark. And when I say partner, I'm not just talking about checking the box and saying, I attended, hey, it's, I've engaged and I'm modeling this for my kid. Not because I just wanted to model it for my kid, but because this is who I am. I am part of the body of Christ. And I think for me, it's really important to not refer to the church as a geographical location, but as a living active body. And that distinction to me is critically important because I think it's here where we see the drop-off. When it comes to our current reality, I find it challenging because I don't think like a college student. And so what I'm even in this moment thinking about is I probably need to have more conversations with those who are in college and in different life stations to say, hey, how does this particular subject matter interact with you right now to be able to get a broader perspective because as much as I think I know a lot which I think we all think we know a lot I know what I know and if I'm not incorporating those views I cannot assume Um, I do think God's truth does transcend some of our weakness (laughs) 
because his truth is the truth. It's not based on me. But if I can get better at presenting it in a compelling way, then I definitely want to do it. So I find this extremely challenging in a good way. And I'm thankful that you've invited, that you took the initiative to invite Matt to this because it's making me think how I can be better at what I do because I don't want a generation to think that I don't care about them. It bothers me. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was in this whole conversation, one of the things that I've been thinking about, and I feel like maybe we've talked about this before, or maybe it's been a question of the day at the gym, I don't know, but like, when did you feel like you were an adult? I think is part of, you know, the question that we have to ask ourselves, because in reflection, like, you know, I'm not sure that I felt like an adult when I was 18, like part of me did because I wasn't in high school anymore. And you start to experience mm-hmm. that freedom and you're like, yes, I'm an adult. And then you like have to pay for things yourself. <laughs> and then you go, okay, well now, yeah, now I feel $6. like an adult or, you know, oh, well now I have kids and somebody else is dependent on me. So then I feel like an adult. And I just think it's hard to, you know, look back and think, okay, when did I really start feeling like an adult? And we throw 18 and 19 year olds into an environment with adults. But if we're completely honest, there's a bunch of people in the room that are just faking it because they know they should feel like an adult by now, but they really don't feel like an adult anymore than the 18 Mm -hmm. or 19 year old that's in the room. But everybody's talking to them like they are an adult. So they are like, oh yeah, yeah, I got this, yeah. You know, I go to work every day. I'm responsible. And I don't know. I think probably if we talked to 18 and 19 year olds as the major demographic, we probably would cover a larger percentage of the people that we think we would cover because there's just a lot of people in the room faking it like they have it all together. Yeah. And we're all still just trying to figure it out. It's like fixing something in the house that maybe you haven't fixed before and you're like, I should know how to do this. (laughs) <laughs> and you go to YouTube and I'm a grown man <laughs> that's right I'm 40 I'm a man that's for our Oklahoma State fans yeah I mean their days I'm 47 I'm like I still don't feel like an adult I'm like what are you talking about you know what do you think I honestly have no, I have no, I have no idea. So Matt, let me ask you this, because I I feel like this was sort of part of the question, but we went kind of a different direction. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if the church is talking about parenting, you're not really seeing yourself in that, because you're you're like, Mm -hmm. I'm not married, I don't have kids. I will now tune out because this does not apply to me. What What is it that either your dad or any other speaker that you're listening to, what is it that, that they will say that like really gets your attention? What are topics or issues that you think, yes, tell me more about sex. that. Yeah, I know. I was about to say, I was like, if they just <laughs> shout, shout uh, sex, that gets everyone's <laughs> attention immediately. It will get definitely quiet like i think that's probably true from i think that yeah, goes yeah, across like, the spectrum the whole room like sits up straight and then they're like what's he gonna say next 
<laughs> like, yeah, but <laughs> but I think, yeah, because like what you said, like with talking about parenting and then me being 19, single, not married, no kids, just like, what does this have to do with me? This has nothing to do with me. Like, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just going to tune out now. I'm going to like start drawing on one of the things on like the back of the chairs like just get through the service and then go on with my week and then maybe next week I'll hear something I like but I think that's just like kind of kind of like what you're saying like it's difficult because there's there's a lot to talk to and it's like if you don't talk about parenting at all then you have your parents in the room like now what do I do like like and yeah. and, and and that's and that's the tricky part so like they're thinking, how do I get my kid to comply? You know, like in the morning, you made reference to that earlier, Charles, <laughs> to get out of bed and get ready for school. That's something you bring up. Parents have been dealing with those kind of issues forever. Forever, so, yeah. So being able to speak into that is important, yet at the same time, it's thinking, okay, in the room are people who will never be a parent or are not there right now. How do we help make sure that it doesn't go so far down this tunnel that they're completely like, I don't see myself in this at all. So I think it really is an art form and it's something that's really challenging. So Matt, let me ask you, digging a little deeper, take it outside of the walls of church on Sunday. We're not walls. But that's my we point. That's church. what I'm getting at. Is there anything that you think that the church, the broader, the body of Christ church, should be doing or asking or talking about that we're not, that's important to you as someone who is not married, is a young man who's still not entirely sure how you're going to be going about the rest of your life, but is there something that the broader church should be talking about or stop talking about? Um, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I think I th the dog said amen in the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I really think that, I can't really think of anything like, like in particular, like this is what they need to talk about. This is what I need to hear. Um, but I think it's, I think it's the feeling of needing to be almost seen. I think we've kind of touched on that. And because it's like, like, like what I said earlier, it's like, Oh, you're out of high school. Got a time, time to go play, play with the adults. Like, like, like enough, like running around with the high schoolers and then like middle school, like all that. It's like, okay, you got to join the big leagues. And, uh, I think like initially that's a lot and that's a lot to handle and especially if you're going from high school to college and you're leaving your house, you're leaving your home church and you're joining a new church and there's not really a ministry there that like is for you. Like that is where you feel like they're talking to you and then you're already going in, you're feeling lost already. You're like, okay, do I fit in? Do I, is this for me? And you go in and you're like, this 60-year-old man's talking about his 
1980 Mustang, and I'm like, what in the world? And like everyone in the room is saying amen, and I'm like, what is he talking about? <laughs> and 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 I think it's like, like what you said, like what is the church as a whole? I think it's just seeing that college age as its own, because like what I said, you have ministries for all the others, and then that one also kind of what we said is. You're still trying to figure everything out. Mm -hmm. And we don't really grow out of figuring everything out because we never really figure everything out. But I think that one is where you're just kind of like wide-eyed, like, what am I doing? I think think another Mm -hmm. demographic that the church forgets about a lot is single adults in general. And I think the college college (laughs) age, I think, is like double whammy because... Not only are most people in that demographic still single, but they're also young without some of the life experience and some of the um, even situations. You know, if you talk about, hey, this is how to deal with this topic in your workplace, if you're predominantly a student, workplace advice or workplace practicality isn't maybe the most, you may have a part-time job, but that's not, the, where you're spending the majority of your time. You're spending the majority of your time in a classroom or on a campus or with a roommate or with peers. But I think single adults kind of face that same thing. If you're always talking about marriage or you're always talking about parenting or whatever, then you have a group of people who are like, that's great for you, but here I am over here and I don't. And I think for a college student, it's, like I said, kind of a double whammy. Yeah, I, yeah. So I'm curious, um, Matt. You grew up in a large family. There's a lot of you. Um, <laughs> you know, very committed to God and church in so many ways. So I think you look at that, and there are two outcomes that happen. I don't think there's anything in between. It's either you run completely away from that when you get older, right, or or you you stick with it in a really big way. Um, I don't really see there being a lot of ambiguity there in between. I, and I could be wrong. I just past experience from people I knew growing up that, you know, were like that for me, from everybody that I know, it's either you, you're all in or you're completely all out um, as you get older. And that's a general, completely generalization I get. But um, I'm curious, why do you think, um, and I really want to know, why do you think that you, why do you think you've landed the way you have and haven't walked away um, when now you could? Well, if, if, if we're being completely honest, I have thought about walking away. Like I have, I've, I've, I've thought, is this for me? And I think that comes with getting older because you, you get a little smarter, you, you start thinking more. You start like thinking, is this for me? Is this, you start diving into like maybe the religion more like, it, what is this? Like, like asking the deeper questions um and and i did that and i started like diving into more like the stuff beyond like a sunday sermon and and i've found you know what sticking with this is probably my best option because i've seen what happens when people turn away and i've seen what happens because i have i have friends I have people who used to be in my small group and now, like, weren't. And then I've seen what happens if they run away, and I've seen what happens if they stay. 
So it's, I've seen both outcomes. And uh, I think that's probably what made me, probably made me kind of stay the course. And it also goes back to volunteering is I was already connected. I felt like I belonged. I felt like I was needed. I felt like I was wanted because I'd, I, I don't want to leave anyone like hanging, like high and dry. Like if the church needed a sound person, and I like just upped and left out of word. They didn't have anyone. And it was like, I wouldn't want that. I, I, I wouldn't want that at all. So I think, I think all those things kind of influenced that decision to just kind of stay with it. I think it's it's interesting hearing that, right? And you know, I think all of us at some point in our life have have felt exactly what you just expressed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's amazing at nineteen that you expressed it and have already figured that out. Um, I think it probably took me a little bit longer than nineteen <laughs> to figure that one out. But I think what you said, I think a lot of us have gone through or, or go through. And I think a lot of people watching this or hearing this probably are thinking the same thing. And especially if they're younger, um, they're definitely thinking that. Um, so I think it's, it's fantastic that you've already figured that out. Um, as your dad's over there riding like a madman. <laughs> He's like, I love this son very much. I'm going to get him a great Christmas gift. Holy smokes. <laughs> So I'm curious as to what went through your head as you went now feverishly riding because I'm sure you have a lot of things rolling, rattling around in that head. So, there, yes, there are some things rattling around. Ah. And his Christmas gift, I yeah. <laughs> Ho, ho, ho. I, I, this is not original to me, but you made me think about what I've heard another pastor say, that Jesus makes you better at life and makes your life better. And I feel like that's what you've experienced, is that Jesus makes you better at life. He makes your life better because you've seen your friends who would say they were journeying with Jesus and then they weren't. And you've probably, to your credit, done a good job of observing. And it sounds like almost sitting one group beside this group and going, huh, (laughs) okay, this group over here, their life isn't exactly great. They may be indulging in some fun that's temporary, but when it comes down to it, their life isn't better. So I thought about that one. The other thing is I, I thought about how relational church has been for you. And it goes back to what I keep saying. Church is, is meant to be a people, a body, and a body is working together. And so when you have the body of Christ and all these different people, they're working in tandem with one another. And so it's extremely relational. And for you, you've seen your value, you've been known, and you've seen that you're needed. And that's something that not everybody experiences. What were you going to say? I wasn't going to say anything. I was just just nodding and agreeing (laughs) with you. (laughs) I think that's one of the big separators for you is the relational piece that you've experienced that because I think a lot of people again they haven't seen this modeled and your mom's done a great job of modeling it like she didn't have to to be so invested in the church being married to me who was a um, 
professional Christian. <laughs> Basically paid to be a pastor. But she chose for so many years to be a volunteer. And you, you, you've known, whether you've known it overtly or, or indirectly, that she hasn't had to do that. There have been plenty of other professional Christians or pastors that you've been around whose spouses did not engage like that. So it hasn't just been something you do, it's something you are. And I think that to me is one of the biggest, hearing you talk and then me thinking about what you're saying is one of the biggest differentiators between you and maybe some of the other people. It doesn't make you better than them. It just means that you've had an experience that God's blessed you with that you have capitalized upon in a way that now is benefiting you and not just you, but so many other people. That's what I was thinking. Okay. There you go. Is that what you have on your paper over there? Not that much, but (laughs) the gist of it, yes. So, parents, so we'll we'll leave Matt out of this one um, as well. So, how how or where have you guys seen influence with your kids in areas of faith? Um, And what do you think's happened because of that? And I have a feeling I know what's coming, but go ahead. <laughs> Anybody. Go ahead, Vanessa. You've been you've been super quiet tonight. <laughs> I I am very grateful that our best friends are <laughs> the pastor and the most volunteering volunteer ever. Um, And that we have had the opportunity to do so much of life with them and their family. And I think that Parker has only been positively influenced by that. And your journey into ministry and working with kids, I think has also been a super positive influence on him and and I think him being able to see both of us grow in our faith and and we might take slightly different paths to get there Hmm. but we're both headed in the same direction I think has been um a positive influence on him, uh, the fact that we study and the fact that we both, while we often fail, we do try to practice what we learn and, and experience through others. And I think the way we take and the way they take love, just love of people and dish it out everywhere in every aspect of life I think is the best influence ever because kind of to Matt was saying earlier about how you know he had questions about the bigger picture and I think that's perfectly normal and I don't think that you have to and I do accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior but I don't think you have to to say to recognize 
that he lived a great life and he was a great person and he had a great positive influence on people. I think if you just, if you have questions, you still can't go wrong by trying to be more like Jesus, you know, it's not going to make you a worse person. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know what I mean? So that's okay. I've said a lot of words now. You said I didn't say much. Now I've said a lot. Well, so. we've heard other pastors say, and I think Brian has even said, like, you don't have to believe this, but you could put some of these things into practice. You can give some of these things a try. Even if you're not sure you believe everything about Jesus, you know, you you can still try some of this stuff and just see, like, if your life is better or if it's not. Because to your point, if you follow the example of Jesus, it's not going to make you a worse right. person. <laughs> Yeah, we had that happen in a small group on Zoom very recently. That someone who has struggled with belief actually got emotional. And it was great because we were able to reiterate that you don't have to believe to be a part of what we're doing. I've heard someone else say you don't have to believe to belong. Mm-hmm. And so that person responded by saying, yeah, you've made me feel that way. And for me in that moment, I'm like, that's a win. Mm-hmm. She feels like she's a part and she's getting an opportunity to flex her faith muscles while being in relationship with us. And that's the church being relational, not being a checkbox. Mm-hmm. So. And I heard Matt mention that word belonging more than once, you know, to say, I felt like I belonged. I felt like I had a place. Yep. I felt like I was needed. And all of those things contributed to wanting to stick around, wanting to figure it out. Um, so to me, I think there have been small group leaders that have been very instrumental in the lives of our kids. I'm very thankful for multiple people some more than others (laughs) i'm being completely honest but matt in particular um because of what we were doing i actually had the opportunity to do an interview for one of his small group leaders when he started volunteering back in the very beginning and i remember getting off of the phone with this man i'm like he's gonna be an awesome volunteer and when he ended up being Uh, Matt's small group leader I was not sad I was like this is awesome and of course he was more the dad not he was not the college student he was the he was the dad character in that small group Um, but you talk about someone who stood by these guys from sixth grade all the way through I think he's still volunteering his time with college-age students at this point and so for me, I'm like, I knew he was going to be awesome. Um, but he, he to me, is one of those all-star people who went through major, you know, life changes with these guys and experienced some major life change in his own life, but that didn't keep him from showing up, being there on a consistent basis. And I feel like as much as anything we did as parents – or as much as anything that happened in the church as a whole, his influence as it relates to Matt was as important as anything else. So just the showing up of small group leaders, I think it's awesome. 
Yeah, I, I think I've seen a lot of influence, obviously, over the years with Parker. And the same thing, small group leaders. Um, you guys, other people, I mean, I think there's a lot there. I think really what I'm seeing now more than that, even even more, are, are all four of your kids hmm. um, in some way or another have influenced him dramatically um, from May all the way up to Micah um, in different ways. And I think I'm thankful because kind of to Matt's point, and it kind of goes back to the, the the word that I wrote and that you've talked about already, but connections is that, you know, people are, are spending time and investing time with Parker and not preaching to him, right? That's not that's not what he needs at 13. He doesn't, you know, he has me to do that. Um, <laughs> Papa, don't preach. <laughs> right. Um, but, you know, including him and doing things with him and showing him, you know, what it means to be um, Jesus to, to what it means to have unconditional love or um, inclusivity um, with other people that don't have to show him that. Like your kids don't have to show. It's not just because we're friends that they have. It, it, they don't have to show him that. Matt doesn't have to to do that, but he, he chooses to. So to me, that's where I see the biggest influence on Parker is, you know, what what is what is he going to listen to the most right now right so he he's not even though he is listening to us i know he is he's not he's he's that's going to come later i understand what i'm telling him now is is he he will that will impact him later in life i'm sure it will just as it has with my parents when i got older and, and that's going to happen or what you guys have both invested in him and what you've done with him that's going to show up later in life what these guys are doing with him now shows up immediate like it's an immediate impact and influence um, so, so much so that even with things that, that have nothing to do with faith, but Hey, you should wear deodorant. Like you stink. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I could tell him that all day long, but one of your kids tells him and like, Oh, I need to use deodorant. Like I don't want to stink. Mm. You know what I mean? But it's like that with everything. It, you know, they're in a small group together. Matt's, you know, a small group leader, but th- they're having conversations that he's not going to have with me. And and I get it. Like that's not that's not the deal. Um, but I see I see massive amounts of influence with that. And I think for for parents listening to this, if you are not connected somewhere with people that matter, that with topics that matter, you got to figure that out because your kids are going to listen to you to some degree. And I get it; they will. And we are we are our kids' biggest influence. There's no doubt about that. Um, every study says we are. However, like we're not the only answer, and it and and if we rely on ourselves to be the only answer, we're in trouble. And our kids are in trouble. They need other people speaking into their lives. They need other adults speaking into their lives. But they also need other peers that are good role models and influences speaking into their lives that we trust. Um, that they are going to get things and listen immediately. That it's not going to have to be a ten-year process of them going. My dad was right. My mom was right. You know, God was right. It was. It's an immediate, with with I think, and that's where I see the biggest influence with him right now, especially in the church. So, so, um, Brian, we didn't, we didn't, you didn't actually answer that. I think it's important that you're okay with owning your flaws. 
Because when someone doesn't own their flaws, you see them as fake. And I think there are plenty of pastors or church leaders that have tried to pretend like they don't have flaws and everybody else sees them and that reeks of inauthenticity. And so I think that's one of the biggest gifts we can give our kids is to acknowledge them, own them, apologize for them. And I have to do that often. So you can ask Matt. (laughs) Your dad never apologizes, does he? Nope. (laughs) He's always right. Well, (laughs) he is your dad. Um, Somebody, somebody needs to give him access to like a, a song library real quick and let him, <laughs> yeah. let him start playing start music. I, I should, music. Yeah. You're right. I should have said, hey, Matt, you can bring your phone and play any song you want to in the mic. Just play it. We don't have legal rights to use it, but I think it would be great if you did that. Um, so same question. Brian kind of already alluded to that. Um, but how do you guys, and, and I want everybody kind of touch on this quick before we close this out, but how, how do we foster faith in our kids? Um, or with the families and kids that we're around, right? Because I think there are people listening to this that don't have kids that go, well, this doesn't apply to me, but really it does because, mm-hmm. and we'll get to this in a second, but how, how do we have influence with everyone around us, especially families um, and kids? What do you guys think? Matt, what do you think? Uh, I think it's just, I think it's pretty simple. It's just the way you act. I think you should just act like, a Christian should act, and I think that gets lost a lot. Um, just with with the overall perception of Christians as a whole, like what you said, known for what they're against, not what they're for. Um, but I've always kind of like gone in with the mentality of when I'm at school, when I'm at work, like this person's different. Mm-hmm. This person isn't like everyone else. He's 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 different. Um, and if you talk to him, he 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 just sounds different. And and not in a bad way, not a bad different. It's a good different. Um, it's it's and and I think just leading by example, just you know, it's just the way you act. And I think something I've always carried with me is just it doesn't cost you anything to be nice to anyone. Um, you never know what someone's going through. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite quotes from a book is you never can truly understand a man until you put on his shoes and walk a mile in him. Um, and, and I've seen that in work school. Like I'm, 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 I wouldn't say I'm cool with everyone, but I'm for the most part, people would say, I don't have a problem with him. And I want it that way because I want people to say like, Hey, why are you just nice to everyone? And then I would say, well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> have you uh, you have a moment to talk about your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? <laughs> yeah, that's when I pull out my book. No, um, pull out your, your tracks. Let me tell but, you. Um, no, but then but then it's like, well, it's my faith. Like that's that that's why I act the way I act. So. Just let the mom pile in right on behind that. So I think I, what he said, I think, is fantastic, and I feel like. What I'm saying is is kind of 
springboards off of that. Mm-hmm. And I think it's seeing people. Um, he mentioned that before, that he felt seen, and that's one of the issues with the demographic that he's in right now is not feeling seen. Mm-hmm. But I think when we talk about our kids and to our kids, I think it's very important that we see them. I think that when you get down on a knee to talk to a child, um, to acknowledge, hey, how was your week? And you speak to them, not like you would speak to an adult necessarily, but you speak to them like they're a human being, I think is very important because I think a lot of times we have a tendency to shush kids or push them to the side or, use some kind of weird baby talk when we, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's just this weird thing that happens when you're talking to somebody younger than you. And I think as adults, we can do it with middle and high school students and even college students. And you don't mean to, but it's a little, becomes condescending. And I think even elementary and preschool age kids can pick up on the way that you're talking to me is weird. You're not I'm a person like they're starting to discover that they are human and this person is not talking to me like I'm a person and I think when you say hey how was your week what's going on what's and even if they're seven you know you're asking them questions that you would ask another person I think it's important because that's it helps them feel seen and I think if we can do that with kids and middle schoolers when they're in their most awkward, weird stage, and high schoolers when they're trying to check out and be too cool for school, and college students who feel like they should have it all figured out, but they don't. You know, I think if we can just see people and talk to them like they're human beings and not try to teach them a lesson, but just see them and talk to them, I think that goes a long way to those kids and students and young adults feeling like they're accepted, like they have a place where they belong, where they can say, hey, I'm not doing well, or hey, this is my question, or whatever it is that they want to say that maybe they don't feel like they have a place to say anywhere else. So maybe that was too long, but that was my thought. Yeah, it's more caught than it is taught. It's got to be real in you. So that's my answer. I'm going to say one more thing. (laughs) Jesus always acknowledged children like they were people. And I think, you know, to act like Jesus, to behave the way that a Christian would is to acknowledge, you know, hey, you're a person. You are welcome here. Yeah. That's why we should know people's names Mm -hmm. and not be, I'm not good at names. I don't want to get on a soapbox, but <laughs> it's pretty much saying I don't care to know you beyond you being somebody who's ambiguous. Mm-hmm. And I don't like it because it doesn't communicate value. You're up. Kind of piggybacking on what everybody else has said, I think... Um, we can have influence by recognizing the fact that our interaction with somebody, regardless of their age, might be that person's only opportunity to see Jesus in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and and honesty and like Brian said, 
we are all flawed and it's having an influence on somebody's faith is not always having it all put together. Granted, there are certain things that small children don't need to know um, about what you may be struggling with, but they can know that you are struggling, um, that, that you've had to, you've had to have a long conversation with God today, (laughs) you know, about something that's going on in your life or that it's okay for them to need to do that, you know? So, and depending, you know, I'm not going to go to Matt and say, I had to have a long conversation with God today. (laughs) You know, I mean, you can temper it to the age group that you're talking to, but, but honesty and, and being a genuine representation of yourself while trying to be a representation of Jesus, I think Mm. is my answer and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I, for me, I think all that makes sense. I mean, it's, it's hard to pick one thing. I think when you think about, um, kind of where I'm at right now with kind of where my walk is, I want Parker or anybody that ha- that I have influence with to see that I, I can't do it on my own. Um, if I want to foster his faith, if I want to help him in his faith, I need him to see me being dependent on God. I need, I need him to see that I can't do it on my own. I need him to understand that that's okay for him not to be able to do that on his own. I think for so many of us, we grow up in this world that it's all on us and we have to make things happen and that doesn't foster faith. That fosters self-reliance, right? And part of that's good. You should, you have to be able to get things done when you need to get things done. But you, I, I want him to see that I, I don't have it all. To your point, I don't have it all figured out. That I, that I can't get it done on my own, um, and that the only person that can help me is is God. That's the only person that can help me get through some of the things that I'm going through. Um, and I need him to see that. I need people around me to see that, especially those that are, you know, maybe questioning or those that, that don't have, you know, a, a mature faith at this point to go, okay, you're 47, you lived a lot of life, and, like, you're still having to depend on God? Yeah, I am, because that's <laughs> that's how it works, and that's how our faith should be um, if we want to make it um, really and, and, and be— and have a good relationship with with God. I think that's the only way we can be. We can't go to God and not be dependent. I mean, it's just not how it works. So I want him to see that. And I think that's the biggest thing right now with me and him. Um, and we've had a lot of convers a lot of conversations lately about, hey, this is this is how we need to function. And I I screw up and I am sorry. And you know, this is how we need to to handle things. So I don't know. So let's close out. I think we've had a lot of good things that have happened today. Um, and again, the podcast has gone slightly longer than I thought it would. Um, but again, I think we get rolling and, and all kinds of stuff happens. But um, kind of in the same vein that we just were in, um, final thoughts, maybe a practical example or example from Scripture, something that are going to help parents listening to this um, help their kids during a transition or, or, or during the time they're going through. I know. All of us have kids, or a lot of us have kids, and we're all in different stages, but they're probably all going through something. I've never experienced a kid that isn't going through something at some point, or many adults that aren't going through something, um, I guess would be a better way to put it. So, um, and actually in no particular order. So 
I originally had an order on the paper, but I don't want to do that. It's, this is going to be an all-skate, everybody answer, but um, who wants to start? I'll go. So I think the first thing I would say is don't do it alone. God didn't make us to be operating as an individual. He made us to be part of the body. And even if you don't believe, I think you can find a church that wants to partner with you and so that you have those other voices. So you don't have to do it alone. The verse I shared at the very beginning was 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 27, where Paul writes, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Everybody has a part, that parent, that child, and when that part isn't active, it hurts the whole body. And we can think about the human body, and when certain things don't work right, it's not a good thing. I'll let you fill in the blank uh, on whatever you want to fill in the blank with. The other thing is, I think of a scripture we have prominent in our home in Psalm ninety twelve, where Moses writes, teach us to number our days so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And the reason I bring that scripture up is if we don't remember that our time is limited, we waste it. And so it's so important to realize that your time is limited. And when I look at Matt, he's 19. I still remember him as a two-year-old. I still remember him being enamored with Thomas the Tank Engine. And it doesn't seem like it was that long ago. But it goes awfully fast. And so it's extremely valuable to make sure that you number the days so that you don't waste them. And that would be my biggest encouragement for parents. I think that's really good. And thanks for making me cry. (laughs) But I think making the most of your time, not wasting your time. But I really love what you said, including other people in the process. And I think that that's true for parents. I think parents should include other people in the process, whether it's um, small group leaders. I, I mean, I think every parent should have their kid involved in whatever life stage ministry they are a part of so that they can be connected to a small group leader. I think I can dogmatically say I think every parent should do that until they cannot force their kid to do it anymore. I think that they should do that. But I think for college students, for singles, for um, people who maybe are in one of those demographics that can sometimes feel a little bit left out, a little bit on the fringe, a little bit on the outside, um, to that group of people, I would say keep showing up, keep using your voice, keep letting people know, hey, we want to be part of, I want to be part of this community of believers. I don't feel like I'm well represented here. Here are some of my questions. Here's here's what I would like to see. I want to be here. I want to belong. Um, I, I just feel like, please don't give up. You know, please still be part of, find a place where you can feel comfortable enough to say, hey, hi, I'm here. Um, and, and I think for people who are in leadership positions, we should listen. We should look around. We shouldn't just surround ourselves with people who look like us and think like us. I think it's important to 
you know, look down at the people who are not down at them, but take the step down for the children to say, hey, this is what they're going through. School's different for kids now than it was when I was seven. You know, I need to pay attention and I need to pay attention to these middle schoolers and these high school students and college students. And and even to your point earlier, Brian, the adults who have already raised their kids or maybe are in the later stages of their lives and never had children for whatever reason. I think um, just not not doing it alone and and looking to see those people there, I think, is huge. I like what you said about not doing it alone. I think that's true for parents. And I think it's true for college students, too. Yeah. Um, well, for me, going through middle school and high school, I had a verse that I always just kept with me, and it was First Timothy 4.12. It was, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and in purity. And I always tell my small groups, I've always told them, I'm like, if you need somewhere to start in the Bible, First and Second Timothy is a great place because, one, they're in middle school and high school. And Timothy is a young, is one of the youngest people, the kind of examples in the Bible. And because a lot of kids, even me, see him as like, okay, Paul's just an old dude with a big gray beard. <laughs> like, like, like they're, they're all just old men. But then, like, you read about Timothy, you're like, he was young and he was doing all this in the church. He was this big, he was taking on a lot um, in in the church all at one time. And I think, I think reading about that goes back to even what we were saying at the beginning of, he's like me. They can relate and seeing verses like that, like don't let anyone look down on you because you're young, um, really just stuck with me, just, just that part right there stuck with me because like even when I would like serve and like whether it be tech small group band it was I wasn't gonna let anyone treat me different because I was young and if, and, and, and even if they did I would just show them not that I was better but that I wasn't just some sixth grader some seventh grader i would set an example for them and then 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 they going back to what i said was like he's different he's not like the other sixth graders the other seventh graders the other eighth graders the other ninth graders so on and so forth so i would say that's kind of a verse that's kind of resonated with me and i think i think for a lot of people i think those two books in in just in themselves are very helpful I don't have any specific scripture, but one of the things that I thought about thinking about this in general, um, I don't know of any circumstance where Jesus ever said, I told you so. Um, But there are lots of circumstances where Jesus asked why the people around him didn't have faith. And I think that's important. Jesus lived a perfect life and he knew he knew it all right and the people that he was walking with in his time on earth didn't know and i think 
while some of the scriptures where he asks, he comes across as being slightly angry. He very well may have been, but he's, I, I think he still genuinely wanted to know. And I think that's an important question for us as parents to be willing to ask people if they're struggling or if they're new to faith, why? And, and be okay to sit and listen to the answer. Mm-hmm. And then when somebody is struggling, you know, like I said, I don't know of any example where Jesus said, I told you so. You know, he told Peter he was going to be, that Peter would deny him. And then he didn't come back and say, I told you. <laughs> Look what you did. You know, so I think it's important to, to not take that mindset, even if we, if, if we are right and we do know what's going to happen and we do predict what's going to happen and we tell the person, if you go down this road, this is what's going to happen. And if they go down that road and it happens, it's still important for us to be there without an I told you so attitude on the other side of it. I find it interesting that every time you talk, Demas goes crazy. <laughs> Sorry, my dog wants to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> the dog says the podcast is over. We're done. Yeah, I think I think for me, and, and it's you, everybody's touched on it tonight. I think it's the same thing: is is get connected, right? So, um, and I think what's important about that is is humble yourself to get connected. And what I mean by that is, you know, you you could maybe think you know everything when it comes to your faith and your kids. But I can assure you, you probably don't. Whether you think you do or you don't, I think you need to to stay, take a step back and humble yourself. And I think you also need to humble yourself in this way. If you're scared, if you're not understanding how to get connected, if you're afraid of that world, and maybe you're not a believer, but you know there's something to this, and you know that there's a better life that you want for your kids, and you think this is a way to do it, I think as scary as it is, reach out to someone. I think, I can't imagine, and and I'm sure there are situations, but I can't imagine reaching out to a local church or someone that you know who is a believer and said, hey, I don't necessarily know everything, but I know that I need, my kids need direction, right? What does that look like? And and I may be scared of what the answer is. And maybe, maybe I'm scared. You're scared because you think you're going to give, have to give things up and your kids are going to have to get like, we go through that whole thing. You know, we all, we all know how that works, but man, just humble yourself to say it's okay. And it's going to be better. And my kids are going to be better for this no matter what. Um, I think you got to do that. Um, you know, and I think it all goes back to connections. You know, I, I think all of us look back in our lives about, where we are with our faith and it's not it's probably not some huge sermon as much as maybe it is it's probably not it's probably a connection that you had with someone in your life or your parents had or your friends had or somebody had that that drill that drew you in or kept you connected somehow and i think that's to me the biggest thing that i've taken out of this conversation tonight especially with matt is man we just got to get them connected um you know, and I think that's extremely important for me. Deuteronomy six four through nine. I mean, we talk about that all the time, but um, and I won't go through the whole piece. But to me, that's why I'm kind of in ministry, especially in kids right now, is just because that's kind of where I feel like I need to be. And um, if you don't know the verse, go back and look it up. I don't want to bore you tonight, or um, not bore you, but we need to wrap this up. So, 
Um, but for me, that, that verse speaks or verses speak loudly to what our job is um, and what my job is as a parent. Um, so with that said, uh, we want to thank each and every one of you for taking time today, tonight, to engage with us on the F4 podcast. Uh, please follow us on social media, like and share the podcast if you think it can be helpful and or entertaining to other people. Maybe they just, you just want to laugh at us, and that's fine. Uh, we would love for your specific feedback so we can get better in providing content that would be helpful for you. Uh, because as, as helpful it is for us, we're, we're doing this to possibly help someone else. So we can't do that if you don't give us our feedback. And I would just say thanks again for listening. Um, and we look forward to you um, seeing us again or hearing us again very soon on the F4 podcast.